welcome to more to come. PW comment or <clears throat> you know what? I hold on. I only say this. I only do this like every week, and if I don't have the thing in front of me, I screw it up. I, I can't believe it. You're funny. It's crazy. Doesn't matter. All right, here we go. Three, two. One. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Uh, recorded uh, right now in my home office in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, uh, more to come listeners. I got a great treat for you. Uh, today we're going to be talking to Kuo Yu Liang. Uh, now he's got, he's done an awful lot very quickly. Uh, right now he's director of Cool Worldwide, a pop culture consultancy that he just launched. But, you know, for what we're going to be talking about today, uh, I guess most recently he was Reed Pop's global director of sales. Uh, before that he was, uh, Diamond Book Distributors, VP of Sales, Marketing, and Business Development, and basically launched that part of Diamond Comics Distributors. Uh, and before that, a long career in publishing and distribution in the book trade at uh, Penguin Random House, Del Rey. Uh, I, I, you know, I could go on and on with all your credentials, but Koo, thanks so much for being on More to Come. Thank you, Kelvin. Hello, Publishers Weekly, Comics More to Come. There, there we go. Well, uh, you're our star for the day, that's for sure. Um, look, I mean, we, I, I, I really want to uh, talk to you about two things, uh, and I can't think of anybody that uh, is more experienced to give us uh, some insight into them. One, Penguin Random House Publisher Services, I guess one of the biggest and best book distributors in the world, uh, and, and its entry into the comic shop marketplace. Uh, important to us as comics and pop culture fans. Uh, I'm never sure that the rest of the world quite understands, even the book trade quite understands the direct market or the comic shop market. Uh, I, I tend to use, I'll use the two terms uh, interchangeably. Uh, it's, uh, it's eccentric, but it's a, a powerful indicator of what uh, people in this uh, comics fans want to read. And at the same time, um, uh, we've gone a year without pop culture conventions. And obviously, your time at Read Pop uh, was spent managing that on, on a global basis. So we're going to talk about that. But we're going to first, we're going to talk about Penguin Random House Publisher Services entering the direct market. Uh, and, you know, I, and I'm going to start off. I just want to get your general reaction to it. But as we go on, uh, I, I think we should define some things for our listeners who may not quite understand it. It's the direct market uh, business model is different from the general book trade. Uh, but we'll get to that. But what do you think about that? Um, uh, I, to me, this is a, a head spinner. I think this is a major, major news for multiple reasons. First of all, I think this is good news. Yes. The reason I think it's good news is that I think this is good for the comics industry. Mm. It's good for the pop culture industry because this move brings innovation, brings energy, brings com commitment, and it's bringing investment into comics, into periodic comics and into comic shops. I think it's a really strong move by Marvel. To me, it shows that Marvel is committed to comics and to comic shops. Mm. You know, there's been mm -hmm. all these rumors and talks like Marvel don't care about comics, don't care about comic shops. They just want to make movies. Mm -hmm. um, I've never heard that. 
I've never heard that when I talk to people at Marvel. They care about comics. They care about comic sure. shop. And I think this move shows that. It's a strong move by Penguin Random House. Um, I think for them, a industry leader to enter into a new market and making the kind of investment that they're doing, which we can talk more about later. Mm-hmm. And lastly, the major, the other major player that's affected, of course, is Diamond Comics. Yes. Um, I think the, you know, no one knows what will happen next, but I, for one, I'm fascinated to see how will Diamond respond. Like, yeah. will they respond with vigor and compete and get better and stronger? They've been around for a long time. Yes. Yeah. And they have, you know, they have met with everybody below over, over the years. I wouldn't count them out. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, they know this market better than anyone. So, but um, but before we go any further, can we uh, – let's define our terms. Uh, uh, what's a direct market? A direct market is a comic shop, Mm -hmm. which you can define it as a store whose primary business is selling comics, both in periodical form, as well as graphic novels, manga, and other pop culture products, which are collectible toys, Mm -hmm. card game, board games, and so on. Now, their business model is a little different than a general trade bookstore, right? I mean, they buy their – they over the years – they primarily do business on the distribution side with Diamond Comics distributors, which uh, I guess would be the largest uh, distributor of comics periodicals in North America. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say that's absolutely accurate. And in addition, the one other thing that sets the direct market apart is periodical comics are generally bought non-returnable. Yes. So, which is different than the general trade when they sell to an independent bookstore at Barnes Noble and Amazon. Those books typically sell returnable. In other words, if a store buys 10 copies and sells four, they can send the other six back. Yeah. When a comic shop buys 10, they own it. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, and I guess the one other thing I guess I want to uh, talk about, I guess, is, well, I lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, mm, 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 uh, oh, uh, it, very quickly, the difference between a wholesaler and a uh, and a distributor. Well, the primary difference is that um, the distributor is the originator of the record. So, for example, it's especially true in a returnable market, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you want to know who do I return this to, well, you you, you have to start from one place, and the distributor ultimately holds an inventory. And that accounts receivable that is getting paid from wholesaler, retailer, and is paying the publisher. A wholesaler, on the other hand, is more a reseller. So a wholesaler will mm-hmm. aggregate product from many, many publishers, from many, from, from many different distributors, and then sell to various channels, be it comic shop, bookstores, library, online, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So that's the primary difference. So the event that we're talking about here, basically, uh, after – I mean I don't even know how many years it is that Diamond has been servicing Marvel in the comic shop market. Uh, uh, Marvel has switched, switched to Penguin Random House Publisher Services uh, to distribute its periodical comics into the comic shop market. Um, this is something that I always thought wouldn't be especially profitable for Penguin Random House. Uh, the direct market is, a, you know, it's a, it's a, long ago when I first got into this business, someone told me that, well, you know, the comics uh, market is a ghetto, but it's a lucrative ghetto. 
So I don't know whether that I don't know whether that plays into this or not. But why would one of the biggest distributors in the world, primarily known for distributing books, want to distribute comics periodicals in um, a market of what two thousand to three thousand uh, independent uh, comics retailers around the country? Well, come on. I mean, comics is hot. I mean, true. Comics, comics has been hot for the last. 10, 15 years, everything starts with comics. And then comics is also robust, right? You got so many more business models now. You got all these independent publishers from Boom Studio down all the way down to Z2 Comics that is like doing a lot of different interesting things with Kickstarter and so many other platforms. You know, now you got creators from all over the world that is, you know, generating new content. And not to mention manga and sure. other, other other related books. So why wouldn't you get into comic? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to sell to a dedicated retail channel of hundreds, if not thousands, of passionate store who's focused on selling comics and books every single day? Um, yeah, there's there's challenges, and we don't have to get into too much granular. But what I would say is this: that everything has challenges. Sure. You know, there's mm-hmm. challenges selling to Amazon, selling to bookstores, selling mm-hmm. to Walmart. I mean, mm-hmm. Everything is hard. So, but this is a huge opportunity. <laughs> so maybe it even, I mean, my, it, it's always been my sense that, wow, you mean that the period, your periodical business, uh, there's so many, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're, uh, the data that we're receiving back from people like, um, uh, BookScan and even, uh, over uh, Milton over at ICB2. Is that the format, uh, is declining in popularity, even though it has a hardcore, uh, 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 group of fans that, w- that still want it. Uh, uh, obviously comic shops sell books now more than ever before, but the, it, does Penguin Random House see an opportunity to maybe grow this market regardless of just the periodicals? Is it just, is this just, uh, it's a, a quick way into this market when really it's interested in distributing books? Well, Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't think Tango Random House will be making such a major investment. Just for context for your listener, it's not just about PRH going to start in distributing Marvel into comic shop. They're making investment. They're opening a new warehouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're hiring and building an entire new team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. No, this is so, important. Right. You know, so this is not like, all right, you know, let's, let us come in and we'll take a slice of the market share. They clearly want to invest and grow the business. And I think that they can, I think they think they can help the business grow. I think they believe they can help comic shops modernize and become more efficient with inventory management, better replenishment, things like that. I think they believe they can help uh, publishers, both their current clients and future clients they may acquire. And not to forget, Random House is not just a distributor. They're a publisher. Mm-hmm. This will also help their own books. <laughs> many, many of them could sure. and should sell well in, in comic shops. When I was working at Random House, I used to do all kinds of special programs for comic shops. I would meet with Diamond. Mm-hmm. I would meet with Capital CD. We would do exclusive variant edition for comic shop. It did very well. So, mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, Ran- Penguin Random House Publisher Services, I would say over the last 10 years, has also been moving aggressively into distributing comics publishers and graphic novels uh, into the book trade. Yes, because he sells. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, they're not absolutely they're right. I mean, you know, I mean, they're not in the business to be like, hey, let's distribute something because we got some free time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wow, we distribute DC. Sounds like crazy. Let's get more. Let's get more comic publisher. Oh, wow, we distribute Kodansha. Manga sounds like crazy. Let's sell, let's mm-hmm. sign Seven Seas. You know, they know what they're doing. And, and it's not just them. It's everybody else sees this. Yeah. Simon Schuster, Ingram, Diamond itself. They all see the opportunity in comics and manga. So. Yeah. So where does this leave Diamond? Um, uh, they will, I mean, comic shops, as I understand it, will continue, can continue to uh, order from Diamond because Diamond is an interesting uh, platform. I mean, I mean, you, they're kind of one stop shopping for, uh, for, for comic shops, right? So, um, uh, does this, and my, my reason for asking about wholesale is because it seems to put Diamond in that, situation now where uh people can still order from them but i i assume that will change the discounts that they offer to retailers yeah i think the first thing to remember is that being a wholesaler is not a bad thing you know in the general book trade one of the biggest company is ingram ingram book company which is a multi-billion dollar wholesaler so, 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 so that's step one. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of reasons why Diamond can succeed. First of all, as you mentioned, Diamond is one-stop shopping. A comic shop or a bookstore or yeah. Amazon mm-hmm. or Walmart can not just buy comics from Diamond, but they can buy manga, graphic novel, collectibles, action, you know, action figure. They can buy board games, card games, role-playing games. There's all these things that you can get from Diamond from hundreds of vendors, right? That's, that's one stop shopping. That's one. Number two, Diamond has relationship mm-hmm. and connections to retailer going back decades. Yeah. Um, there are people that do not enjoy working with Diamond, just as many enjoy working with Diamond. Mm-hmm. So for, for some retailer, you might be like, well, let's just keep work, let's just keep it with working with who we know. And the last thing I'll add, and we'll see how this play out. Um, my perception, having worked at Random House and worked with Random House, is their system is very robust, but also not flexible in the sense of they have excellent systems, but you have to do things a very a certain way. Mm. With Diamond, on the flip side, I always felt like Diamond's system is not as robust. But almost as a consequence, they're a little bit more flexible. They can just kind of make things up. Uh-huh. Like, well, we don't normally do it that way, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. mm-hmm. And I think that flexibility is going to come in handy. And the last thing I'll add very quickly is that I know we're talking about Marvel, but the reality is Marvel doesn't represent the whole comics industry, right? You have you know, hundreds of publishers, and many of them, the size – Based on the publishing scale, is more suitable for Diamond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, good point. Mm-hmm. So it's not like everybody's going to all of a sudden go to go to PRH. Yeah. Not everyone's going to be the right fit. But uh, you know, I, I, I want to backtrack a little bit though, because the the this um, uh, uh, this new event in the direct market with you know PRH Publisher Services uh, entering it. I mean, there's there there's uh, it it. it, it it really is uh, a kind of a development of something that's been going on because earlier, and I guess this was in 2020, uh, DC Comics, and now we're talking about the big two, DC Comics left Diamond. Uh, and at the same time, they're going through their own corporate reorganization where it seems like most of the people at DC that serviced the direct market were laid off along with a lot of other layoffs. 
So, I mean, what are we seeing? I mean, I found people like some retailers, uh, well-known retailers like Brian Hips, uh, really uh, was questioning the viability in some ways of the direct market going forward uh, if the two pillars – obviously, there are m- many more publishers than uh, Marvel and DC, but – uh, really, boy, that's th- th- these are two pillars of the direct market and th- two pillars of superhero right. comics in North America. What did DC does? Uh, how does DC's acts and moves play into this? The, is it pretty much the same? No, it feels completely different. Um, I don't know why DC left Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never heard a explanation why mm-hmm. they left Diamond, and everyone I talked to in the industry, no one seems to know. Where Marvel is very different. You know, Marvel, it's been very specific that they see this move as an investment and commitment to comics and comic shops. Um, yeah. I don't know what DC is doing. Um, mm. I hope they have a plan. Um, well, I mean, part I of their, pl- <laughs> part of their plan is that they set up their own distribution centers with, you know, two, you know, uh, what, uh, mail order houses that were kind <laughs> of new to the distribution side and, uh, as I understand it, ha- um, uh, it has created a lot of issues for retailers, which leads me to this question. How – going forward, um, how, you, know, you know what? I'm moving somewhere else. Somewhere or other, I've lost my train of thought here. Uh, so um, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, Penguin Random House does offer some things that I think Diamond doesn't. Uh, they're, uh, uh, free shipping. I mean, how important of this, uh, is this to retailers? And also, you know, the, uh, uh, the Diamond offers the previews catalog, which offers up, you know, it, it's a little unusual. I mean, it's the catalog that comes out with months a month. Retailers order their material through it. And is all of this going to be transferred into this new world of Penguin Random? Yeah, House? you know, some will, some, you know, some or not. I mean, I am sure whatever. I think if we talk one year from now, you would not look the same. I think both Penguin Random House and Marvel will try certain things and they'll make adjustments mm. if it doesn't work out or is not optimal. I think that's not. A, I don't think that's the right question. So I think the more interesting question is what new innovation and new technology and processes can be introduced in the direct market to help the stores. Be more effective, be more efficient, sell more product. And I don't know what those are, but yeah. it could be, you know, POS system is going to be one of mm-hmm. them. The fact that you have the entire massive industry without a POS system, without a book scan. I think you mm-hmm. don't have the equivalent of an Edelweiss. You don't have right. the equivalent mm-hmm. of the sort of massive database of where everything is, how everything sells. You don't have a great inventory management system, mm-hmm. and you don't have a lot of options. So those are so that's what's exciting to me is what you know. Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. How do we make the industry bigger and better and more efficient and less waste? And mm-hmm. and also not to forget, how do we bring more people into bring- stores and read more comics? Which Absolutely. is the ultimate goal. Absolutely. All right. So I remember what I was trying to ask you before. Ah, see? <laughs> yes, it comes back to me. Will other Diamond. What do you see as the prospects of other Diamond uh, publishers moving to Penguin Random House? I mean, and and especially uh, perhaps the customers that Penguin Random House already distributes to the book trade, like DC Comics. Well, look. I mean, I think 
I think this is good news for publishers, right? A publisher have now have more option. Again, don't just limit yourself to Diamond and Penguin Random House. If I'm a publisher, comic publisher, whoever they may be, I can be like, all right, let's get a proposal from PRH and from Diamond. And then let me also talk to Ingram and Simon Schuster and Hachette or Macmillan and whoever. And, you know, kind of like, so what can you do for me? Yeah. And what can we do together? So to answer your question, um, I think every publisher should consider all options. I'm sure some will move. Some won't. Some won't because after the examining option, Diamond remained the best fit for them. Yeah. No, that could be the case. It is interesting no. because so many of uh, the biggest, say, independent publishers have now migrated to um, uh, Penguin Random House for the book trade side. I mean, Dark Horse, or IDW, um, uh, and there are others. So this will be interesting going forward to see um, how Penguin – because I think you're right. Penguin Random House really has a chance to really introduce uh, innovation and uh, – both in the, the the comic shop market and and in now as we used to always hear that the diamond needed some competition, so maybe now they have a little. Yeah, absolutely. Um, competition is good. Yes, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you and I, you know, right, you know, right before we started this podcast, you know, you and I were just chatting about basketball because about Michael, you know, the Michael Jordan, sure. Chicago Bulls, and the New York Knicks. Like they need to push each other. Yes. Like, so <laughs> competition is good, which is what I think ultimately this is really good for the comics industry. And again, it's not just about Diamond and PRH. Yeah. It's how will other publisher and other distributors step up? How will comic shops step up? Yeah. You know, and get stronger and better. Um, so. Absolutely. All right. It's all related. All right. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So look, let's switch topics for a little bit here, uh, to the convention season. Uh, I don't know. Can you, what, what, we're obviously still in a situation where uh, I think we all would love to see the pop culture conventions comes back, yes. big and small. Uh, but we seem to be caught betwixt and between right now. Um, uh, what's your perspective? I, I can ask you something more specific, but where do you see the the convention side of the business heading right now? Well, I'll answer two ways. I'll answer from you know f- first. Conventions, when they come back, I predict it will be bigger than ever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is connected to other personal experiential experiences, such as travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the predictions and all the data showing you that all over the world, when travel opening up, you know, yeah. they're just selling airplane tickets and hotels like, like crazy. The Disneyland, I think convention, the same thing is going to happen. So I don't have, I have zero doubt on that. On the more practical thing on the timing, you'll be a little bit more gradual, not from fan interest. I think fan interest is going to be huge. Yeah, I, I think, think so. The challenge is on the operational side. So for example, you know, some convention that will run later this year, it could be New York Comic Con, mm-hmm. it could be Anime NYC from Left Field, mm-hmm. it could be Fan Expo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I cannot predict the future, but my assumption is most of these shows, there will be capacity limitations mm-hmm. uh, based on local rules. So, you know, instead of having 40,000 people in the building, you know, maybe you can only have 10,000 or whatever, yeah. is the, whatever is the number 
your, you know, instead of six foot aisle, you may have two foot aisle. Instead yeah. of booths crunched up next to each other, there may be spacing between booths, which is interesting because that's actually potentially a better fan experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And potentially a better experience for the exhibitors and the creators as well when the aisles are less crowded. But it's harder for the exhibition company because their cost is going to go up yeah. and the revenue, the revenue will go down. And lastly, it's also going back to this kind of te- tension from the comic shop conversation. How do these comic con companies come back bigger and stronger with new ideas and new e- innovation, right? Like be like, what, what, what was the old saying that you don't want to, you don't want to waste a disaster? <laughs> like they had a year to think about mm-hmm. how to make a Comic Con even better and more connected uh, on a global level. So I look forward to it. I look forward to what all the convention would do. Uh, it would be disappointing if convention to come back and if, if the exact same convention. Yeah, and I'm hoping they come back with lots of new ideas. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I mean, I think even uh, even just for the phenomenon of working from home, which I guess we're both doing right now, um, the, the the video side of it, and we were talking about Zoom and Skype before this, but certainly now Zoom is kind of you know pervasive now, uh, and the virtual convention with, that we've lived through over the last year, it seems hard to imagine that the, the conventions in the future wouldn't wouldn't include this, particularly the mega cons, where you you know we had reached a point where you couldn't buy a ticket anyway, you know. Uh, having the ability for fans who, you know, are more than likely never going to get a chance to go to San Diego or even New York Comic Con to, to maybe to take a peek at certain programs via, uh, video conferencing. You think that's likely to be a part of the future? 100%. I think you are talking about two different experiences. Let's use a baseball analogy, right? Let's do. It. So <laughs> if you and I are going to game seven of the World Series. Yeah, baby. Say it again. That's- <laughs> That's a mega event. That's a once in a lifetime experience. Mm. And you betcha, I'm telling all my friends and I'll be bragging about it until the end of time. Mm-hmm. You and I can also comfortably sit on our couch and watch a game. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right? I do it every single day and it's a fantastic experience. I'm not telling anybody about it. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, I'm not posting on Facebook. Look, I watched a baseball game on TV. Woo. So, but it doesn't make it worse or better. It's just, it's two different things. So my final comment is this. Going to a physical convention is going to be this really unique experience that you look forward to. You do it. You tell your friends about it. You share about it. Watching a convention content on your phone, on your tablet, on your PC, it's a different experience. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And potentially has a bigger reach. So mm-hmm. to your point, a physical convention has physical limitations. You know, tickets sell out, geography, you know, I'm not going to fly to New York or Boston or San Diego or Toronto. But anybody in the world can watch or participate either in a content or come to the e-commerce store and buy that convention sure. exclusive, which mm-hmm. I think is huge. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's going to change, and it's all good. It's just going to be different avenues. Mm-hmm. You know? And whatever I'm, else comes up. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like, for instance, uh, uh, just, uh, um, uh, just to talk about San Diego for a minute, it looks like San Diego's trying an interesting experiment where they're, they're going to do virtual conventions for, for, the, for the San Diego Comic-Con and, I guess, for WonderCon. Uh, but they're creating a sort of special event 
that they it's ex- not a new episode. It's not a new idea. Other people have already been doing this. For example, yeah. Mega Con uh-huh. was already doing this, and it's clever and maybe too clever in some ways because they knew that if they run an in-person convention, you have to be limited in size based yeah. on regulations from COVID. Yeah. So I think their thinking is not make that smaller show a regular edition and call it something else. Yeah. Because it's going to be a lot smaller um, for various reasons. Part of it is just to set expectations. But pe- people are doing this. It's not a new idea. Yeah. yeah, and this is scheduled for November. I mean, this is another thing. Obviously, people are keeping an eye on the vaccination rate and whether or not we can you know, come out on the other side of this pandemic. pandemic. Uh, in some version of what we used to think of as normal. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, first of all, um, I mean, timing has multiple factors, right? You, mm-hmm. you have to factor into availability and negotiation with convention center, with the city, with tourism board, with hotel room yeah. blocks, other suppliers. There's a million details that goes into that. What I think is a fallacy is to predict what the COVID rate is because nobody yeah. knows that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a joke. Like whatever you and I know today, you'll change tomorrow. It's going to change. So you just have to make, I think you just have to make the best decision based on the information you have today. And then you deal with the changes. All right. Well, you know what? That On that note, that's what we've been doing over the last year. And I guess <laughs> we've been dealing with some uh, really incredible changes uh, hopefully things are going to change for the better. So look, I, you know, I've been talking with, with, with Koo from Cool Worldwide. Koo, look, thank you so much for being on More to Come. All right, Cal. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks a lot. All right. Talk soon. Take care. All right. Cheers. Take care, man. Everything's pick it up. Say say something. This is Kuyu Lang. I hate the New York Knicks. <laughs>